can stand up, it doesn't matter. It's Super Bowl Sunday. All right, I'm going to leave it at that. We're about to have a baptism right here today. I'm delighted this morning to have Ms. Alma Simpson coming down. Alma, met, she came here. She's invited by Lewis Adams. And uh, she started coming here and said, you know what? I, I was saved at a young age, but there's some things that happened in my life that didn't really line up with what God I know wanted me to do. And so I'm going to rededicate my life and join Airline Baptist Church, join this fellowship here. Yeah, come on. Come on. So Alma, we're excited. To that water's cold. She just came right in. Amen. So Alma, we're excited to have you. So I'm going to ask you just uh, a few questions right here. Alma, do you believe that Jesus Christ died for you? Yes. And that, that he was buried and that he rose again? Yes. Yes. And do you believe that he's up in heaven reigning? Yes, I do. Amen. All right. So Alma, it's upon your profession of faith that I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, buried like Christ, and raise the life to walk again in the newness of Him. Amen. Hey, listen, if you are a, 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 a family member of Alma's, why don't you just stand up? And if you, as a church member, as a church family, if we just stand up and say, you know what, Alma, I'm going to help you. I'm committed to making sure that you, we walk on this, this walk of Christ together. So if you're one of those people, stand up. Family, church family, we want everybody to stand up. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. God, thank you for being a God who saves. Thank you for that, God. Even whenever we mess up, God, when we sin, God, when we think that we are as far apart as anything, God, far apart from you as we could ever be, you're a God who saves. And I'm thankful for that, God. I'm thankful for my sister in Christ, Alma, who said, I'm ready to stand up, be bold, be not ashamed for Christ. Because I've messed up. We've all messed up. But I'm ready right here, right now at Airline Baptist Church to say, you know what, regardless of my past, God puts my past as far as the east is from the west. And I'm going to spend every day worshiping Him and honoring Him with my life. So thank you for that. God, be with her as she continues on this journey. God, be with each and every one of us that we'll have the strength, God, to be there with her. Pick her up when she falls, God, and say, you know what? It's worth it. All in you. God, thank you for allowing us to worship you, not for our glory, but for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. As 
Down, down, down at the cross where my Savior died.
mystery is what it is. And I was just sitting there thinking about that. The words marvelous mystery, I, I, just, I, was really, I got stuck on that for a minute. It's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? If you guys are listening, you guys can have a seat while I'm talking. Um, this marvelous mystery. And it's talking about a holy God. And I thought about some of these other religions that we look out and see in the world. And it's all about working your way up a chain to satisfy a God. And you hope that you live a life worthy enough to have satisfied that God to spend eternity with Him. And the mystery of it all is that in, in who we are in our flesh is that we're nowhere near good enough to spend eternity with our holy God. But the mystery of it all is how can I wrap my mind around how a holy God would send His one and only Son to make a way to spend eternity with Him. And that's Jesus. Jesus came down, became flesh so that we could have a way to be with our holy God for eternity. That our, what our works, our good works are called dirty rags in the sight of God, he, he wants our hearts. Jesus made a way for us to spend eternity with God. And that's just, it's a marvelous mystery. And it was, that was on my mind during that song. And it was so beautiful. My name is Andrew Fogarty. So if you're with us for the first time today, welcome to Airline Baptist Church. I'm the student pastor here. Um, just a few things for you guys. I got to thinking earlier, you know, how do you come up and, after some amazing song like that and give announcements? And I thought, you know, it's pretty cool that a church is actually doing things that they want to announce to its people. You know, some churches, they don't have anything good going on, but God's doing a lot of good things here. Um, but while I'm doing this, I'm going to give permission to, bring, to pull out your phones. If you have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, if you pull out your phones and just check in on social media for, the, uh, for us and say, hey, this is where I'm at today. Uh, next week, you guys come out and join us. People on your Facebook page or whatever it is, they'll see that you're posting this. And they'll be like, hey, maybe I do want to go check that out. There's some exciting things going on. I mean, goodness, this whole like energy. I couldn't even sit down in the front row today. There's a little exciting going on over here. Um, but if you want to do that, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. It's packed out over here. I, I'm like crammed. I told Sarah I'm going to sit somewhere else. I can't even stand here. I'm like this. That's awesome. That's such a good thing. Um, I got a couple announcements for you guys. And I'll get off the stage and get out of the way. Um, D-Now is coming up here in a couple weeks. The last day to sign up is February 12th, which is only about 10 days away. Um, we're, we're at about 30, 35 students right now, and we want to take more. Um, if you're a parent of a student, know that it's only 10 days away. So if you want your student to go, please get them signed up. Here's how this helps me, because I'm trying to figure out how many host homes I need. Um, I need to figure out how many leaders I need. And so the sooner this gets in, this gets done, um, that helps me a lot when it comes to finalizing the details. That way I'm not scrambling at the last minute to figure out who, how many host homes I need, how many leaders I need. So the sooner the better would be great for me, um, just to help me with my time. This is my first day now as far as being a pastor and being a leader. So that would really help me a lot. So thank you ahead of time. It is $50 for students to go. Um, if, you're, if you're sitting there saying, you know, $50 is a lot, I have multiple kids. Um, just know that people have come to me from our church family here and have said, you know what, if there's a need, let me know and I will help it be met. And so that speaks volumes to what kind of church we have here. And so if that is a need, um, please let me know and I can make that happen for you guys. But please do that before February 12th so I can make arrangements for that as we send that last uh, payment at Chestnut Mountain for the D now. Hey, tonight, student ministry, 20-somethings, we're having what uh, we are calling the Super Bowl Party. It is at 6 o'clock tonight in the Family Life Center down the hill. Um, there's going to be food there, burgers. Um, uh, my wife, Sarah, makes an amazing buffalo chicken dip. Um, 
I'm just saying, I might be biased upon this, but she makes the best one I've ever had. I'm just saying, you know. But if you want to, if you want to put, if you want to test it out, come try it tonight. Um, just want to invite you guys out to that. Hey, last thing, and I'll get off stage, and we'll continue worshiping. Boston mission trip today. If you are interested in going, today is the last day to um, to, to sign up and say, hey, I want to go. And with that sign up, we would like a hundred dollar deposit. With that, if you say, hey, and you're like, you know, I'm just now deciding today that I want to go, and hundred dollars a little much. Um, just let us know. Um, we would like to help you any way we can, but. Please sign up for that today if you can. That'll be this summer. So um, I'll pray and we'll receive our offering and we'll get back to worshiping. God, we love you. Thank you for today and just the way you're moving um, in this church and in this community. God, it's, it just feels so good to be standing, standing in this building and be crammed shoulder to shoulder with some people. God, worshiping you. God, it shows that you're moving and you're bringing people to you. God, I pray that you continue to do that and allow this church to be um, just a, a voice in the community that says, hey, we worship Jesus here. God, let your presence be felt here amongst these people and just do something uh, today, God, that we can't take the credit for, but only you can. We love you. Amen. I've been held by Savior. I've
Love. 
Now, most of you have heard me allude to it many times. We, we often allude to things that are defining moments in our life. But the divorce of my parents, I tell you, was just immeasurable. It's one of the deepest hurts a child can ever go through. And thank God I've never experienced that as a spouse. And by God's grace, I never am. There's a finality with death, sadly. There's a sad finality with death. But with divorce... That hurt keeps going on and on. I'm not saying the hurt stops once we bury a spouse or a loved one, but I can just tell you for me, every birthday, whose feelings am I going to hurt this year? Am I going to upset my mama or my dad? Every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, the insanity of that, where I would go to my grandmother's with my mama and eat a big old Thanksgiving meal and then go out to my dad and stepmother's and try to eat another big old... Finally, I said, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to be big as the house. Can we please just do this on another day? I'm telling you, that's as an adult. And then you get married and you have another set of parents in there. It, listen, I've never asked for my parents' divorce, by the way. I have no idea. It just is what it is. But I can tell you this, Jesus changes everything we just sang. I know when my dad was married to my mom, I'm not trying to dishonor my father. I'm just telling you what an awesome God we serve. My mama did everything. She cooked, she ironed. They ironed back then. She cooked, she ironed. It wasn't out of a can. She put up fresh peas and corn and butter beans. And if y'all do that, we have the real stuff. And I'm, I'm not trying to dishonor my daddy, but I never saw him lift a finger to help her. It's my mama that took me to ball practices and banned things for the most part. And my dad was a heavy drinker. I don't say that to dishonor my father. We're going to talk about what does the Bible have to say about alcohol. I can tell you this much. Alcohol has never helped a single marriage. It never helps a marriage. It makes things more difficult every single time. It's why the scripture warns that strong drink bites like a serpent. I thank God for a stepmother that I love dearly and I still keep in touch with and talk to. We're blessed. She lives in Panama City Beach, Florida, so I don't have to pay to go stay somewhere when I go to the beach. I just have to drive out to the beach. But my stepmother didn't know the Lord and if my daddy knew the Lord, he was sure far from him and I invited them to, you've heard me say this, but if you're new, invited them to church on Mother's Day. They came, I have a little baby sister that was born two weeks after I graduated from the University of Georgia. And so she heard a message on how to be a godly mother. And my stepmother said, that's what I want to be. God saved her. In time, God got a hold of my daddy's heart. He let go of the bottle. He got sold out to the Lord, got active in his church. Jesus changes everything. It's not too late for you. No matter the regrets of your past, the hurts of your past, God still has a plan for you. So I'm, I'm mandated from Scripture to preach the full counsel of God, even when it may be uncomfortable. I want to prepare these young people, these singles, to have a godly marriage. Number three, the difficult part. What does the Bible say about divorce? What does the Bible say about divorce? Well, first of all, it is not the unpardonable sin. Amen? There is one unpardonable sin, and that is rejecting the Holy Spirit's offer of salvation. There's forgiveness in everything else. It's not unpardonable, but it does have devastating consequences that go on and on and on. For many of us, we're all sinners. We can be thankful that all of our sin is not public. When somebody goes through a divorce, that's a very public thing that everybody around deals with. The hurt is immeasurable. God says in Malachi chapter 2 and verse number 15, this is a strong word. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. What does he want? What does God want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord. Hate is a strong word coming from anybody. 
But coming from the God of the universe, that's a strong word. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Notice the text says God hates divorce. Does it say God hates divorced people? Absolutely not. That is not what the text says. If you've lived through that hurt and you live with that heartache and you never wanted this, you did everything you could to hold the marriage together, God loves you and God has a plan for your life. If you were the guilty party who caused that divorce, God still loves you and God wants to clean you up and give you a brand new start. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3, some Pharisees, a pseudo-religious crowd, came up and tried to trap Jesus with this question. They're always trying to trap Jesus which is a really stupid thing to do. He's the word made flesh and dwelt among us. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Hadn't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning in the Garden of Eden in Genesis, God created them male and female. By the way, God decides who's going to be male and who's going to be female. It's not a doctor. It's not a hormone shot or anything like that. God decides what that's going to be. And he said, verse 5, this explains why man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into one. Since they're no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God's joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, quoting Deuteronomy, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts. But it was not what God originally intended in the garden. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Now listen, I've heard misguided preachers say a divorced person who remarries lives in a perpetual state of adultery. I'm glad I don't live in a perpetual, perpetual state of drunkenness like I used to live at one time. I'm glad that God gives forgiveness for that. You don't live in a perpetual state of anything when you turn to Jesus and get things right with him. But he says God made a one flesh relationship, but he did allow divorce in the case of unfaithfulness. It's not a prescription and it's not a mandate. God says he allows it. I don't think there's any accident, by the way, that Matthew chapter 19 follows Matthew chapter 18. What a revelation. Aren't you glad you came to church and heard me say that today? Why? Because Matthew 18 talks about restoration and discipline. I don't think it's any accident God just taught on forgiveness when he talks about divorce. Marriage takes work. It's something that we have to always work on. How many of you men knew before you got married that towels had to be folded a certain way? Did any of y'all know that? I thought I was just helping. It didn't matter how I folded them. How many of you knew that there's a certain way to use toothpaste and a certain way not to use? You squeeze it from the bottom and flatten it as you go up. How many of you knew that? Listen, I never heard this before in my life. How many of you knew that the toilet paper has to hang on the roll in a certain way before you got married? Raise your hand. Anybody? I guess I'm behind the times. I'm one of the few, okay? How many of you would say, I didn't when I got married, but now that I've been married, it drives me just as crazy as it does my spouse. Raise your hand. Does me too. Does me too. Marriage takes work. Life happens. Stuff happens. Satan hates our guts. Satan hates our country. Satan wants to destroy our country. And a country is no stronger than the churches that make up that country. And a church is no stronger than the families that make up that church. So no wonder there's a target on the backs of all of us who claim the name of Jesus Christ. Julie said, listen, marriage takes work. She said, it's so hard to train me. She ain't never doing this again, okay? If I drop dead tomorrow, she says, she's done. 
The more intimate a relationship is, and nothing is more intimate than marriage, the more difficult that is to separate. When I preached on marriage months ago, remember I brought up the two pieces of paper that I glued together if you were here, and I ripped those apart? I was able to pull them apart, but it was a mess. It was not a clean break. There's that great pain of separation. When Ephesians says, here's what we ought to do, be kind to one another tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. We're going to get on each other's nerves, amen? Can I just be real with y'all? Okay, I'm minding my own business last night. I'm, we're reading a book together as a staff. I'm reading my book. She's watching Home and Garden TV or whatever Julie always watches. And my daughter calls and she said, I don't know why I call mama because she's usually asleep on the sofa and she don't have her phone on. I said, you're right, but I'll get her. And you know what my wife said about me? I mean, I got the best wife in the world. She said, your daddy is getting on my nerves. I'm not making this up. I'm like, I'm just minding my own business and reading the book. How do I get on your nerves doing that? But life happens. We're going to get on each other's nerves. But we've got to be, we've got to love Jesus enough. I can't love her like I ought to if I don't love him number one. If I'm not surrendered and yielded to the lordship of Christ, it's going to be a mess. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. He says marriage was, divorce was permitted because of hard of heart. Forgiveness and restoration should still be that goal. God's ideal is one man, one woman for life until parted by death. So when a judge in a black robe bangs his gavel and says divorce granted, that don't mean God's nodding his head in approval when, yep, you did the right thing. God allows it. God permits it. It's not a prescription. It takes two people to make it work. I get that. But I, I, Jesus was letting you know uh, uh, the innocent party in a divorce, the one who'd been faithful in a divorce, is permitted under the law of God to remarry. God does not forbid that. And if that person divorced you and they had not had an affair and later on they remarried or have an affair, I believe scripturally you are free to remarry. But you better put Jesus first and seek his lordship in all things because that marriage relationship is a picture of God's commitment to his bride, the church. All sin against God is spiritual adultery, amen? All of our sin is spiritual adultery or idolatry. Aren't we thankful that God didn't divorce us every time I sinned against him? Thank God he did not because he'd have thrown me by the wayside a long time ago. Even when Jesus was suffering on the cross because we're all sinners and he died on that cross in my place. It's that mystery Pastor Andrew talked about earlier. Why in the world would a holy God who has need of nothing give up his only son who never sinned to hang on that cross in my place who has sinned too many times to count. He hung on that cross in my place and even as he was dying for my sins he said this father forgive them they don't know what they do we got to have a spirit of forgiveness and love each other maybe some of you feel stuck spiritually like you just can't go on like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling is it because you still harbor unforgiveness in your heart I didn't say hurt we don't have a magic form that'll make hurt go away, but maybe someone sinned against you in a marriage or a dating relationship, and I'm telling you, you can't go on spiritually until you forgive that person. Even if they haven't asked for it, you have a spirit, a willingness to forgive them. Children of divorce, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. I remember juggling those things and trying to please my mom and my dad and where am I going to go? And thank God both of my parents made it very clear they loved us and wanted me and Michelle with them. And, you know, daddy wants us to come live with him. Mom wants us to live with her. And finally I looked at my sister one day and said, Michelle, this is not our fault. We didn't ask for this. We just got to pray and do what God wants us to do. And then we leave the results up to the Lord. Children of divorce, it is not your fault. I remember, I told you I have a, a very godly stepmother who I love dearly. I had a stepfather for about 14 years as well. 
And he was always good to me and my sister. But when that marriage started to unravel because of repeated infidelity on his part, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I thought, here, my mama, I love my mama. What can I do to fix it? And my college, a pastor of college students at Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Athens was also a licensed professional counselor. And I was just shaking all over. And I went to Doug's house. I said, call, I said Doug, can I come over to your house? I, I'm about to fall apart. I told him what was happening with, with mom and, and that husband. And he looked at me. And I know this is simple, y'all, but I'm a simple kind of guy. It was like flipping a switch in my heart. He said, Mike. God did not equip you, and God does not expect you to fix your mother's marriage. I know that's simple, but for this college student that felt like I was about to have a nervous breakdown or something over my mama's hurt, that was liberating. God did not equip you, young people or older people who have divorced parents. God didn't equip you or expect you to fix that. Our job is to be the most godly children we can be, to be the most godly spouse that we can be. And maybe you say, I don't even have a relationship with my dad or with my mom. A friend of mine, her put on Facebook that her birth mother died. And I had to think back and friends and from one of and she was raised by another lady because her mother was incarcerated. And the other lady raised them for years. Maybe you don't have a relationship with a mom or a dad, but I'm telling you in Psalm 68, 5, he's, God's word says he'll be a father to the fatherless. Well, let's, let's wrap this up. Look at, look at your conclusion. Number one, will you apply God's standards for purity in marriage? God's standards is that you be holy. God's standard is there be not even a hint of immorality among us. Are we going to apply God's standards for purity in marriage? Number two, singles, will you determine to wait for God's best and beware of recreational dating? I, I'm telling you, I think one reason the divorce rate is so high is this thing of recreational dating. You just get in a relationship, if that one doesn't work, they tick me off, I just check out and I get another one. It's a dangerous thing. We're conditioning young people in these throwaway relationships that all relationships are throwaway and marriage can be that way too. Number three, if you need help in your marriage, you say, hey, we're in trouble. Seek out mature, godly couples for advice. Some of these folks you saw just stand, Talk to them. How'd you stay married 50 years? How'd you stay married 60 years? Somebody that you admire and look up to. Go and talk to them and seek help from them on how did you make it that long? Number four, life's hard. Life is hard. Somebody says it's harder when you're stupid, but that's not on my point here. Life is hard. It's harder if you're unsure of your salvation. If you don't know beyond any doubt, thank God God allowed Alma to nail down her salvation and follow the Lord in, in the believer's baptism of waters this morning. When you know Jesus has forgiven you, you don't lay your head on your night and wonder, am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? Am I saved? Am I not saved? You're going to be in a perpetual state of, of depression and uncertainty and turmoil all the time. He says it's so simple that a child can understand it. All you got to do is admit you're a sinner. We all are. Believe in your heart that he was crucified in our place. They laid him in a borrowed tomb and he rose again. And commit to live your life for him. It's as easy as A, B, C. If you've never been saved or you still are unsure of that, there's nothing wrong with being sure. And number five, do you need to receive forgiveness for compromising God's standards? I would submit to you, I've already said all of us have. We've all violated God's standards. But if in this particular area of dating and marriage and divorce, if you violated God's standards, if you're the, the guilty party and all of us have been at times, what do you need to do to make that right? The Lord says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That includes divorce. That includes everything. All unrighteousness. He wants to clean you up. He's a mountain mover. He's a way maker. And he is a chain breaker. And it's time to let some chains drop in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Pray with me, church. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for such an anointed time of worship today. Lord, I pray that even as we read your scriptures... 
We're still in an attitude of worship because it's your word. It's not our word when we read the scriptures. Lord, I know statistically, I'm not the only joker in this building who's been affected by that. I'm not the only one who, until my daddy went to heaven, it was a struggle for me to decide where to go and whose feelings am I going to hurt. Lord, you tell us in James that if we lack wisdom, we can ask of you and you give to all folks liberally. Lord, for some folks who need to see some mountains move today, maybe it's in their relationship. God, would you show them that it's worth it not to give up, that it's too soon to quit. You're not done with them yet. I pray, God, that we would all humble ourselves and just admit at times things are not always easy. God, I thank you for the heroes in this building that stood up earlier. Oh, what a sweet picture. Folks been married 50, 60, 40 years. God, thank you for living proof that your word works. Your way is the best way. Lord, for those that are feeling that false accusation of the devil today, God, I pray you'd help them to turn to you and reject that stinking liar. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. God, if you have already granted forgiveness, there's no reason for us to keep coming back and asking for forgiveness over and over again from the same old stuff. But if there are those who need to get some stuff right, God, I pray today be that day. Lord, some of us in this building, we know marriages that are in trouble right now. May we bear those burdens by coming to this altar and praying for friends and family that are struggling. May we come to this altar and beg you, God, to save those that are lost, that don't have a relationship with you. Lord, in this time of invitation, if there are those that have been visiting, they're looking for a church to join and unite with, like Alma, they need assurance of their salvation, they need to be baptized. Lord, I pray you would just pour out liberty and freedom in this place today. Your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So God, give us liberty to respond in this time of invitation, however you tell us to respond, and we're going to praise you for it. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, let's stand together. If everything's all right between you and the Lord, you just sing in worship. If everything's all right with you and the Lord, but you know somebody's struggling, let's come and pray for them right now. If you need to join our church, be baptized or be saved, or you just want somebody to pray for you and with you, you come right now as we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found Was blind But now I see Kind of in a more private place in the corner. If you need to slip out, you say, well, somebody just take me out of this building and pray with me. We'll do that. Whatever you need, Jesus is. And this family wants to help you in that struggle as we sing again. Was grace that taught my heart to fear and 